Hi, I'm Sebastian King. I'm a paediatric surgeon at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne. Today I have the great pleasure of sitting down and talking with Professor John Hudson. John is an esteemed paediatric surgeon known internationally for many things, including his clinical skills and the many textbooks that he's written. Today we'll be talking about a topic that is very well known to him and that he's an expert in. So John, thanks for being with My us pleasure. this afternoon. Um, we couldn't not start with undescended testes. I've spent 30 years trying to understand what's the cause. So, so I, that's a good place yeah, to start. I, I think so. I think that's a great place to start. And, and so I thought to begin with, let's talk about the, the standard situation of undescended testes. So a boy who's born got a, a single undescended testis. Okay, so a very, pretty common problem. Um, Two to five percent of neonatal males have undescended testis at the day they're born. And, but we recognise now about half of those descend a little bit later than normal. Uh, so the testis gets to the scrotum in the first three months of life rather than the few weeks just before the baby's born. But by three months of age, the testis should have descended completely if it's ever going to. So if the child's not got an has got an undescended testis on the day of born, they need to be seen again probably at three months of age. And then the question is, has the testis descended completely into the scrotum? If so, then we don't need to do anything. But if it's descended a bit, but still not in the scrotum, or hasn't changed at all its position since birth, then we need to consider about referral for a paediatric surgical opinion about needing an operation, which would be best done, we think, current um, uh, international guidelines, somewhere between six and 12 months. And, you, and your research has suggested that the, the earlier the better in terms of the surgery? Yes, it is, because we now recognise that undescended testis basically puts the testis at the wrong uh, temperature in its environment because after birth the testis is normally at 33 degrees in the scrotum, but when it's not in the scrotum it'll be at a higher temperature up to or including the body temperature of 37 degrees and those few extra degrees of high temperature basically damage the germ cells in the testis, which will eventually interfere with fertility and potentially trigger a malignancy. We recognise now that the germ cells that are present in the, at the testis on the day the baby's born transform from the original uh, uh, germ cell called the gonocyte into a stem cell for spermatogenesis we call the type A spermatogonium and that happens about three months of age in response to a little surge of hormones coming from the pituitary which trigger uh, testicular hormones um, now called mini puberty so the hormones are low at birth and then they rise starting about in the first month and by three months there's quite a high surge of testosterone in the bloodstream which remains high for a couple of months and it's at the same level as in an adolescent boy but only for a couple of months and we now recognise that that's likely to be controlling the transformation of the germ cell from the gonocyte into the, into the stem cell for spermatogenesis and when the testis is undescended the temperature stress basically prevents that happening normally so you either don't get enough germ cells 
transforming, so you end up with a lower sperm count because you haven't got as many stem cells. Or the germ cells that were supposed to transform don't transform, but the ones that are left over that haven't transformed are normally meant to undergo programmed cell death or apoptosis. And we think that's probably interfered with by the abnormal temperature as well. So you don't get as many stem cells, but you also have a few neonatal germ cells persisting in the, ger in the testis. And we now think that the malignancy that you get when you're 20, 30 or 40 years of age is caused by a persistence of one of the neonatal germ cells, which then quietly mutates in response to the high temperature and the postnatal or the postpubertal hormones from 15 years of age beyond and eventually causes a cancer 10 or 20 years later. And so in terms of the timing for that surgery, we now talk about six to 12 yeah, months. Right. Yeah, it might actually be better if we did it at three months, which is when the mini puberty hormonal surge occurs, but we're not sure whether that's actually necessary. Um, and there's uh, some issues for, for general anesthesia in a baby less than six months with anaesthetic uh, 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 people concerned about potentially uh, the effects of general anaesthesia on the brain development of a baby, whether that's realistic or whether that's just, um, you know, uh, unnecessary worry is hard to know, but six months is a compromise. Um, for the biology of the testes, it's probably better at three months. For the anaesthetic risk, it's probably better at six months. And 12 months is probably the upper limit of when it's the last time you should have fixed it. So if the baby's born with an undescended testis, it needs to be seen again at three months. If it's still undescended at three months, then it probably needs immediate referral for an operation somewhere between three and nine months. Okay. And so where do you put retractile testes into this group? Okay, so retractile testes not normally present at birth because uh, we recognise that retractile testes are inhibited by high levels of testosterone. So when you've got high levels of testosterone during the mini puberty in the first three to six months, the testis doesn't look retractile, but once the testosterone goes away, in the second six months of life, by 12 months of age, the testosterone's disappeared from the bloodstream and um, the retractile testis becomes a bit more obvious because we recognise that the cremaster muscle that's controlling the, uh, the uh, uh, retractile testis um, is responding to the testosterone as well as the temperature. But we think that Lots of retractile testes are not just caused by the cremaster muscle being a bit tight or reactive in the absence of testosterone, but some of it's caused by persistence of the processus vaginalis, the peritoneal diverticulum that the testis descended inside, not completely disappearing, leaving a little fibrous remnant, which causes a little fibrous band in the spermatic cord which prevents the spermatic cord elongating as the boy elongates, because the distance from the scrotum to the groin in a baby is about five, five centimetres. So the gubernaculum's got to migrate five centimetres or thereabouts just before the baby's born to get the testis in the scrotum. 
but by 10 years of age, the scrotum is now 10 centimetres from the groin, not 5 centimetres. So the somatic cord's got to elongate as the boy elongates. And we now recognise that retract, what we call retractile testes might be caused not just by the cremaster muscle pulling on the testes a bit harder than normal, but be the, by the fact that the processus vaginalis, the little fibrous remnant of it, hasn't completely disappeared, which prevents the, the blood vessels elongating as much as they should, because normally they're quite elastic. The blood vessels in the vas are quite elastic. So when you pull on the spermatic cord at an operation, it feels quite elastic. But when you haven't divided the processus vaginalis, even if it's a little fibrous remnant, not even patent, it feels quite stiff and, and, and inelastic. And the moment you cut that, um, it's now elastic and the somatic cord will elongate one or two centimetres. Is that what you think then when, you, when you're examining a boy and you pull the testis down into the scrotum and if release it? If it feels it, tight, that's, yeah. why I think, that's why it feels tight. So when you pull into the scrotum, you, one of the things you're asking is, can I pull the testis right to the bottom of the scrotum so that you can stretch the skin? Because if you've got a tight processus vaginalis, you'll be able to pull the skin a lot further than the testis. But if you've got a normal a spermatic cord, you can pull the testis to the same distance as the scrotum stretches itself because mm. they're both elastic. But when there's a tight fibrous remnant of the processus vaginalis, it prevents the cord from stretching out. And when you pull it, it feels like you're feeling pulling something that's a bit too tight. Yeah, you can actually you get this sensation that it won't come right to the bottom of the scrotum and it feels a bit tight. What's that mean? In biology, it means there's a little fibrous remnant preventing the elongation that would normally occur when you stretch it a bit. So if you see a boy, you've had a, a boy referred to you at two years of age with a query under centered testis that yeah, right. you think has got retractile testes. Right. What's your plan then in terms of following that okay. boy up? So the first thing is to tell the parent that retractile testes is a little bit abnormal. But the question is, is it abnormal enough to need an operation? And it's recognising that retractile testes, when we use those words, we're describing a, what I would call a grey zone between normal and abnormal. Because mm. when it's completely descended, it's not retractile at all. And when it's undescended, it's not retractile, it's just undescended. But when it's, we call it retractile, when it, you can pull it down, but it looks like it's not quite right. Um, what it's telling you is that there's probably a fibrous remnant and this is not quite normal. But the question is, is it abnormal enough to need an operation? And so then you need to decide, is it severe enough to need an operation? And my view is that the, the defining test is asking, can you pull the testis into the scrotum and when you let it go, will it stay there? If it doesn't stay in the scrotum, if it immediately retracts... Um, sort of under tension. Yeah, because it's under tension. We used to think that's because the muscle's pulling it back up again, mm. when my view is it's probably just the fibrous remnant recoiling back to its natural length, which is a bit shorter. So if it won't stay in the scrotum after I pull it down, then I'll say to the family, well, this is a form of retractile testes that's bad enough to need an operation, rather than it's not really, it's not completely undescended, yes, but if we don't fix it, it probably will become undescended. So I'm probably fixing it a bit earlier than some other doctors 
who might wait until it's completely obvious mm -hmm. that it's really under-centred. But I'm trying to use my understanding of the biology to predict the earliest time that I can justify doing an operation that's not unnecessary. Yeah. And so where do you then put the ascending testis into that picture? Well, the ascending testis is just another name for a pathologically retractile testis where it starts going up and down initially um, and it feels a bit tight when you try and pull on the spermatic cord, but that eventually when the, when the child's a bit older, it must, does the processus vaginalis fibrous remnant, does it shrink, pulling the testis back up, or does the testis just become attached by fibrous attachments on the outside to the inguinose cradle subcutaneous tissues, which prevent it from going coming down again? Because if it sits in the groin all the time, it probably just develops some secondary fibrous attachments, mm. which then make it stay up we now call it an ascending testis, which by definition is one that was in the scrotum initially, but now isn't. Yeah. And what's your approach operatively? How do you choose between those boys that you'll do an inguinal approach versus those that oh, you'll yeah, do a scrotal approach? That's not very difficult. Um, if I can pull the testis into the scrotum when they're awake, I'll do a scrotal operation because it's mm. easy. Because when they're asleep, I can easily pull it into the scrotum. Mm. If I can't pull it into the scrotum when they're awake, I'm more likely to need an, oper an inguinal operation. But I now recognise that the, the scrotal approach originally described by Adrian Bianchi um, is quite effective if you can pull the, scrotum, the testis into the scrotum even if not awake, but when they're asleep. So if I can get the resident to hold the testis in the scrotum um, under the anaesthetic, then I'll decide can I do a scrotal operation? And if it looks like it's not too tight, then that's what I'll do, because that's often much simpler. Mm. It halves the time of the operation, and it's quite simple. It's not quite the same operation, but pretty close. Yeah. There's just an extra layer. The, the uh, external spermatic fascia, which you normally never see mm. when you open the inguinal canal, um, is covering the outside, so you've got to get rid of the external spermatic fascia, which is a sort of obvious fibrous layer. And then you find the cremaster muscle, which is the, 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 you know, the, the inner layer of the, the uh, spermatic fascia. And then once you've got rid of that, then you find the processus vaginalis, the little fibrous remnant, which has got the vas and vessels on the, stuck on the back of it. Mm. So you don't find that, that uh, dissecting the processus vaginalis using the scrotal approach is any no, more difficult than no, because no, it's nearly always obliterated, mm. and even if it isn't, um, by the time you put it on traction, ask yourself where are you tying the patent hernia if there really is a patent hernia? And the answer is by the time you've stretched it, you'll be tying it close to the internal ingual ring, even mm. if you haven't opened the ingual ring, because the ingual canal is only a centimetre long. So if you pull on it enough, you're already doing it, and you put the retractors up so the scrotal operation is not that far away from the no. external ring and the ring is a, the outside is only in a centimetre from the inside so once you've pulled on it you're already there so yeah. I don't think it actually matters. Okay well thank you very much for your time Okay. and uh, we look forward to uh, talking at the next session.